understand this. The church did not give us the Bible. God gave us the Bible, and we anchor our faith about who the church is, what the church does, what makes the church, how you know that a church is a church. We anchor all of that in the Word of the Lord. And again, I'm not trying to pick a fight, but this is an important passage because this particular passage not only deals with the scoffers, but you can also draw some other significant Christian historical truth from this passage this evening. And they were dealing with situations then where someone would say, Jesus is over here, or yeah. Jesus is over there, yeah. Jesus has yeah. come, you know, and it wasn't. And he was telling the church, yeah. uh, basically don't believe everything you hear. Go oh, yeah. back to the Word, yeah. see what the Word says. See what the Word says. And base the authority upon the word of the Lord. Well, let's get right into this passage because there's so much ground to cover tonight. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice of the majestic glory. That's an important phrase. You might want to underline that in your Bible tonight. The majestic glory. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay a close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. That's speaking of the day of the Lord. And Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart of the transformation that Christ makes in your life when you're born again. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, the prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now, friends, notice this. This is an important point. And the reason I wanted to bring that out. His experience helped him to have greater confidence mm -hmm. in the Word of God. He was already confident in the Word of the Lord when he explained the experience that happened to the early church on the day of Pentecost. Remember that message? Yes. He went to Joel chapter 2 to explain that. So Peter was a man of the Word. Peter was a man of God. And he didn't look to his authority, but he looked to the authority of mm -hmm. the Word of the Lord, knowing that Jesus that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit gave us the Scripture. So let's take a close look at this tonight. First of all, the Bible says the Bible is a light shining in, dark wor in a dark world. Verse um, Chapter 1, verse 19 says, You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. This morning I was reading in Exodus yeah. where... Moses came down off the mountain from being in the presence of God, right. and they said, put something over your face. Your face is glowing. We, yeah. we can't look on you because you've been in the presence of God. The Bible is that light, yeah. and light and darkness are always illustrations right. of righteousness, mm -hmm. and darkness is evil, right. and you know God's word being the light that drives darkness. Yeah. Um, when we have a power outage, yeah. we run for the flashlights, <laughs> we run for the candles, uh, we want to get some light, we've got to find a source for that light, yeah, yeah. and the Bible says in Psalms that God is the lamp yeah. 
a lamp his, to, word. his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We've had so many power outages. We've never had power <laughs> outages the way we've had here in Detroit. Oh, I found out how to stop those. How? You buy a generator and then they just stop. <laughs> and we've never even had the generator out of the box. <laughs> well, anyway, the power outages that happen here, there's frequently times where we grab you know, our mm -hmm. iPhones and we switch the lights on on our iPhones. We look for the candles. We look for the kerosene lantern that we have. It actually has scented oil in it now, <laughs> but the kerosene lanterns that we put in there. But you're exactly right, Becky. The Bible says, or the Bible uses daytime and nighttime mm -hmm. as metaphors for good and evil. And in the night is when the evil would come out and prowlers would come out and evil things would happen. We were visiting a city one time and remember when the when night began to fall, it was like the city went from this family-friendly city mm -hmm. to there was all kinds of evil literally on parade, and we felt we very like, comfortable there. Let's get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> let's leave. Let's leave that. The Bible says this. Judgment is based upon this fact. God's light came into the world. What is God's light? It's the purity. It's the righteousness that uh, God gives us. It's the light of Jesus that came into this world. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. In other words, they want to try and cover it up. Mm -hmm. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what, that they are doing what God wants. And so your good works, Jesus says your good works, your, your, your morality, your love, your peacefulness, your kindness, those are like flashlights in a dark place for mm -hmm. people pointing them to Jesus Christ. How many times have we had someone say to us, what is it about you? You're, you're different. Or, you know, as a couple, y'all are different. Why is, and I think I that's because, that and I hope it's because they see the Lord in us. I believe know? it is. They may not know how to articulate that, but that's what they're saying. There's something different. Yeah, we've had people literally come over to our table and say, what's this glow? And the glow, I believe it's the Shekinah presence of the Lord. We can't see that. But it's, it's, if you're a passionate follower of Jesus, I promise you, there's something about your marriage, your life, that just literally brings light to other mm -hmm. people. And they've asked to join us at the table, and we've had conversations like that. It has opened quite a few doors. Yeah. And, and we're not doing anything, and we know other people. They're, you're not doing anything special. Sometimes the you're conversations just, aren't I even know. really that exciting. <laughs> It's just um, that there is a difference. Yeah, there's a big difference. Well, the second thing I'd like you to see tonight is not only is the Bible is a light in dark places, but the Bible is God's Word. Now, I know you know that, but let me just kind of bear down with sobriety on that that I wanted this point to bring out. It's not my Word. It's not Woodland mm -hmm. Church's Word. It's God's Word, and it needs to be handled with that kind of reverence. I have a good friend. He will not lay a Bible on the floor beside his chair when he's reading. <laughs> he will not sit anything on top of the Bible, and he's just that reverent about how he handles his Bible. And I asked him one time about that, because, and he said, it's because I just want to remind myself it's God's Word. <clears throat> In other words, you know how when you read a book and you, there's copyrights on it and you can't yep. share it or the movies, they tell you no mm -hmm. piracy if you rent a movie or if you're streaming a movie. 
The Bible is God's intellectual property. Isn't that a good way of thinking That's about it? That's a great way to think about it. This is God's intellectual property. And he says to us that we are not to add to the Word of God, nor are we to take away from the Word of God. When our boys were little, we were actually listening to another conversation yeah. that was being deba debated a particular issue. And our son looked at me and he said, what does the Bible say? <laughs> so I told him, and he said, then why are we even talking about this? <laughs> I remember that. That was a great conversation. Well, you know, it, at times it has caused me some problems with different groups of people because I refuse to call something sin that the Bible doesn't call sin. Mm -hmm. Now, there are good reasons for some of our traditions that we observe, but we can't say that that's, we observe those because the Bible says to observe that. It's just a good tradition. And I know I was speaking out west, and I made a comment. And so after the comment, some people came to me, and they said, but I thought that was sin. I said, well, it's probably not a wise thing to do, but no, it's not sin. Well, they really proceeded to tell me everything. So I, I sat. I'm their guest. So I sat, and I listened. So finally I said, may I ask a question? Do any of you ever commit the sin of gluttony? dead silence. I said, do ever, any of you ever commit the sin of slothfulness? You're just lazy, dead silence. And I went through a list of things like that, that the Bible clearly says that God hates, that God says our sin. And they, finally, one of them says, you know, you can stop now. You, you know, we're, we're, we're fried. We get Enough your point. Yeah. So the Bible is God's intellectual property. There may be a good reason for your tradition, but don't try to bind other people up with your tradition. Stay with what the Bible says. And that's why we have that saying at Woodland. When we have a question about something, we go to the Bible. Now, there's something else important here. It's God's Word, and God's Word is anchored in historical reality. God's Word is anchored solidly in historical reality. Would you read this verse from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17? If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. I was listening to a Jewish author this week, and he absolutely, he's not a Christian. Matter of fact, he, is, he is really has some real problems with the church and with Christianity, in particular the Roman Catholic Church. He has some real problems there, and, and, and as I'm listening to him, I can understand why he's having some issues historically with the Catholic Church and some of the things that have happened. But I thought, boy, even Protestants have been guilty of that as well. Martin Luther, you know, we, we hold up Martin Luther so much, but Martin Luther, you know, he was so disappointed that the Jews did not convert to Christianity. He said some very hateful things about the Jewish people. And then from time to time, we see people want to wave a cross and at the same time make anti-Semitic statements. So I can understand the historical um, antipathy that Jewish people have felt towards Christians, certain Christians, because of the way they manifested their faith. The Bible tells us that, that what they're doing is sinful and it's wrong. But what got me with this Jewish author was he said, there is no way you can deny the birth and the death of Jesus Christ. He said, history records that child really lived, that man really lived, that man really was crucified. And I was so grateful that here's this guy that's got, you know. You want to go turn the page, read yeah, the next page, yeah, the next there's page. more. But our faith is anchored in historical reality. We're not just wishing upon a clever story. 
And that's the reason that Peter would say in verse 20 of chapter 1, he said, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. You know, prophecy is not based upon clever stories. Prophecy is based upon the anointing, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon the authors of the Scripture. And the best way I know how to illustrate this tonight is I've never ridden a car ferry in America, but in some of the nations we've been to, I've had to drive the car onto a car ferry, and there would be big trucks, there would be cars, and one particular ferry trip I made, it was a long trip. It took a couple of hours to make that trip, and it just dawned on me, this is the same thing, you know, a good way of illustrating mm -hmm. the inspiration of the Bible. One ship, one captain. One Bible, one captain. But there were different authors. Amos was a shepherd. You know, Isaiah lived in the royal throne, uh, was lived in the palace as a, as a prophet. You know, you just have all of these different authors. You know, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Peter was a fisherman. Luke was a slave physician. You have all of these people writing, but they're writing under the inspiration and the direction of the Holy Spirit. One of the most solid scriptures I know is in 2 Timothy 3.16. Would you read that? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I can hardly read it because I memorized it in the King James as a child <laughs> and that keeps popping in my head. Nothing wrong with King James. <laughs> I love the King James version of the Bible. A couple of things I want you to, to see here. Number one, Scripture is inspired. And when God inspired, he breathed out the word. Now, do you remember the old dictaphones where you could just dictate into no, it? No, I don't remember them. I've seen pictures of them, oh, but please. I don't remember them. <laughs> okay. The old dictaphones. You know, the, the writers of the Bible were not human dictaphones. God used their personalities. God used their vocabulary. But God protected them and took their style and he gave them his word, and they wrote for us what was, the, what was the word of God, what we call the word of God, Genesis from Revelation. But if you could think of the moved by the Holy Spirit, they were the method of delivery, protected by God. You know, I'm fond of saying that bread is just a delivery method for the olive oil, you know, <laughs> when we go to a restaurant. They were the delivery method for the word of the Lord. And the result is what we have, the inspired word of God. Now, I think I can even drive this home a little more. Do you remember when we almost had that building fiasco when we were building the sanctuary yep. in Macon, Georgia? Yep. The, the contractor had a beam put in backwards, the central beam of the whole new sanctuary. Yep. And one of the engineers from our church went up and inspected that, and he came down and he said, you know what, that beam is in backwards. So we called the contractor. He denied it was in backwards. So I called the architect, and the architect came down and says, it's in backwards, and made him take, take it, out. it out. Oh, was that an angry it. contractor. Turn it around. <laughs> a lot of work to redo over. Here's the thing. The architect was protecting the sanctuary. He was protecting the congregation. He was protecting our investment in building a new mm -hmm. sanctuary for the, that beautiful little church in Macon, Georgia. And friends, tonight, I want to tell you this. God protected his word. It is inspired. It is infallible. It is without error. It is the word of the Lord, and I'm so thankful for that.
don't you tell us our third point tonight? Third point is the Bible is authoritative. Um, I wanted it, you to say that. That's a hard word for me to say. <laughs> is it authoritative or authoritative? Well, when you get a little southern on it, it's authoritative. <laughs> <laughs> it's authoritative for me too. But this is where it gets touchy. Because now we're talking about the authority of the Bible. Boy, and, and the scripture that says, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes yeah. with, with this. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. People want their own lives to be the authority. Yeah. You know, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. If it feels good to me, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when people tell me they have a problem when I tell them the Bible is the authority... I said, don't have children, because there is this big move in our world today. I'm my own authority. If it feels right to me, that's what mm -hmm. I ought to do, you know. I have authority over my body. I have authority over what I want to be. I, these days, you even have authority. If you're, you may be born a man, but if you don't feel like you're a man, you can say you're a woman. And I'm understanding <laughs> that that's causing some problems in the Army, because the women's Physical requirements are not as great in the army as the men's requirements. And so there are some male soldiers that are claiming to be women so they don't have to work as hard. Hey, I don't have to run as far. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious. It's hilarious, but it's sad that, you know, we, we, first of all, it's just absolutely foolish to think you can be your own authority. There's a fallacy in believing that if I, whatever feels right is what I'm going to do. Feelings are so unreliable and feelings conflict with one another there are some things that I want that conflict with other things that I want in life oh within the same hour we don't even have to wait yeah. a decade it's it can be an instant conflict I bet as a tax preparer you see this sometime people mm -hmm. want to be honest yeah I would say most I most are yeah every once in a while you get somebody in and you go you know what you need to give me everything you've got in your pocket there because <laughs> I know you're keeping some stuff back no you're talking about taxes <laughs> not taking the offering to church oh no yeah. no you're taking the offering put it all in <laughs> yeah put it all in the the thing is is that we have these you know it happens in marriages I I've counseled with so many people that you know they've been unfaithful and They've always told me, says, I never wanted to be unfaithful. There's yeah. that conflicting desire. There are people who have lied, and they said, I've always wanted to be an honest person. But in a lie, suddenly they, they lost their reputation for being an honest person. So feelings can be very conflicting at times. And every culture has its own grid. American culture has its grid. Uh, you and I have worked in countries where there's an honor culture. Mm -hmm. And in that honor culture, let me see if I can illustrate like this. In that honor culture, a man or a woman, if they, are, if they perceive a slight against them, that honor culture says they've got to get revenge for that. They've got to show you that you mm -hmm. cannot get away with that. You've They're dishonored show, them or yes, you've dishonored their yeah. family. And some cultures are so bad that they will actually kill somebody because of that. Mm -hmm. But now if they were to have a lustful thought, those men were to have a lustful thought for a woman, they would really repress that because that's dishonorable to have that thought. But you come to America, and if you have aggressive thoughts, we think, I need therapy. For some reason, I want to get even, so I need a psychiatrist. No, you just need to forgive, and as the old song from Disney says, let it go, let it go, let it go. You just need to forgive. But in America, if you have a lustful thought, people are saying, oh, i got to be true to myself. You know, i got to follow on these feelings. 
And so it's a fallacy to think that truth is going to be found in being your own authority. We have owner's manuals in our cars. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I have found out with those stinking owner manuals, if we follow them, our cars run real well. Isn't that amazing how yeah, that works? Yeah. If we, now, not if I try to do the work, but if I take it to our mechanic <laughs> and he does the work, it works real well. Amy and I have taken some time while we've been homebound with this COVID pandemic, and we've taken two notebooks yeah. and put all of our manuals for the coffee pot, the refrigerator, the stove, everything is organized. And something happened the other night. We couldn't figure out what to do. And Amy went and got the manual and pulled it out and went, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> well, that's the point I'm getting at. The owner's manual is an authority. And if you observe the owner's manual, you're going to get better service out of the product mm -hmm. that you have. But here's the deal. And I can't speak to the coffee pot and the refrigerator, <laughs> but I can speak to the car. Number one, maintenance is expensive. Number two, maintenance can be inconvenient. And sometimes what the Bible tells us to do, it's costly. It's costly to take up mm -hmm. your cross and follow Jesus. It's costly to forgive someone when they have hurt you and to build that relationship back up. Well, even Jesus had people when he told them the cost yeah. to follow him said, yeah. I can't do that, Lord. And yeah. they, were, they were grieved because... The, the rich young man that wanted to follow Jesus, but the cost was too great. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to be a passionate follower of Christ and you tithe and you give and you practice stewardship, there's a lot of things you could probably do with that 10%. You know, I will never forget our friend. You know who I'm talking about, that his business began to prosper. I'd led him to Christ when his business was not <laughs> doing real well. And as his business began to prosper, he asked me a question. He said, are you sure about this tithing thing? And I said, well, of course I'm sure. And I shared some scriptures with him. And he said, well, that's a lot of money on what I'm making now. And I said, I understand. So I said, let me pray for you that God will take you right back to where you were at and you were happy to obey him. And he stopped me and said, no, let's don't do that because I know <laughs> no, God no, no, answers no, no, your no. prayers. <laughs> so it can be inconvenient. It can be expensive. But the Bible is an authority, and if you follow God's Word and you obey God's Word, God has promised to bless you and to prosper you and even to rebuke the devourer from your life. So 2 Peter 1.16, would you read that verse again, Becky? It's so important. This is the one we were talking about this morning yeah. in our um, daily update. For we are not making up clever stories, and we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. So I guess what Peter is saying here is because of his experience with Christ, it gave him greater confidence in the word. And he's saying, look, this is not mythology. This is not a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. This is the word of the Lord. And sometimes we just have to let the word of God do its work in our hearts. Now, this is where he's going. And this is why I mentioned the return of the Lord. Because he's dealing with false teachers who are presenting their own opinions rather than the Word of God. And when you preach as a preacher, it's not my opinion that matters. What matters as a biblical preacher is that I share with you and I explain to you <clears throat> what the Word of God says or any preacher that does that. And so he's dealing with something. People are scoffing that Jesus is coming back again. They're doubting that. And there are some teachers that are evidently already saying he's already come. Uh, Paul had to deal with that in some of his epistles. And there are others that are saying to him, 
that uh, they're saying to him that he's never coming again, that, that what happened at Pentecost was the fulfillment of that, and that's just not true. So God's Word declares authoritatively Jesus will return again. Look at Matthew 25, 1. Would you read that, please? Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And I just skipped over one of the verses in your outline, and I'm sure you see that, but I think we've already dealt with that. But the reason I put this verse in there is because I'm concerned that people, there is some of the church that's really passionate about the return of Jesus. They're not trying to predict a date. They're not trying to spend all their time watching for signs. But passionate people who are looking for the return of Jesus, they live as passionate followers of Christ. They share their faith. They, they, they raise their families well. They love their, their husbands or their wives well. They do good work for their employers so that the light of God shines in that dark place. They do the good works that we're talking about. They live in submission to the authority of the word of the Lord. But the foolish ones are the ones who don't take seriously the Word of God, and they live slothful Christian lives. They may have traditions. They're like those people out west that I was speaking to. They had plenty of traditions, but when I began to tell them some things the Word said, mm -hmm. suddenly they were confronted with that. So don't think of the ten wise, or the, the five foolish and the five virg uh, wise virgins as just being somebody that's all occupied with biblical prophecy. People who live expecting the return of the Lord, they do look for His return, but they're living every single day as a passionate follower of Jesus, full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and they're sharing their faith stories with others. And let's get to this fifth point, and we can wrap <laughs> this up tonight. Whoops. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Scriptures tonight. And I think that's where we're going to try to wrap this up tonight. Would you read 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14? But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds yeah. foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Really quickly, let me see if I can wrap this up for you like this. This is not saying that you can't read the Bible and know what you're reading. But this is saying that there are things in the Bible... You can understand it, you'll, you'll comprehend it, but you won't understand what it really means until, first of all, you have given your heart to Jesus Christ. So if you're not a Christian, reading the Bible is essential to understanding the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so if you're not a Christian, read your Bible and actually read it out loud to yourself so that you can kind of have an understanding and hear what you're saying, because as you read the Bible, if you're prayerfully open to what God has to say, He'll help you understand it. Secondly, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment and illumination to it. Understand this, nothing is impossible with God. It's almost like when you start to read the Word of the Lord, even if you're, even if not, you're not a follower of Christ, it's like going into that dark room. Yeah. And turning on a nightlight. It you know, starts to drive the darkness, and then as you grow in it, it becomes a spotlight. <laughs> yeah, it does. And you know, you talk about that, and let's wrap, that's a good place to wrap up tonight. My iPhone is a powerful tool, it really is. You know, my iPhone, it's, got, it's loaded with apps that I use every single day. It keeps me organized, 
It helps me to uh, study my Bible when I, sometimes I use it for reading my Bible with. It's a good tool of communication for not only calling and talking with you or text messaging with somebody else or doing email upon. There's even that little flashlight in there that I can use when it's dark at the house if there's been a power outage or something like that. But friends, the Bible, the Bible has more applications than my iPhone will ever have. The Bible has more power. This thing runs out after a few hours. This thing, or the Bible, will never run out. It's got unlimited power. This Bible, it's a light into my path at all times. It's a light in dark places. In this sanctuary, if all the lights were out, this iPhone's light would be a light to my path, but it would not be a light for my life. This book is a light to my path and a light into my life. This book tonight, I promise you, it will keep you focused, it will keep you organized, and it will keep you connected to God and keep you connected to other people. So trust the authority of God's Word. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. It's not irrelevant. It's not out of date. It is anchored in history. It is God's love letter to you and me through Jesus Christ. I just read an article this morning that was they were interviewing a train engineer yeah. and they called him the train driver and he said I'm not the driver he said the driver was the one that laid those tracks down I just follow wow. the tracks wow, wow, wow. what what a concept of God has gone before us yeah. he's laid down his word he set it out we have to follow it but we're not the driver that's good <laughs> preaching honey <laughs> Well, let's pray together tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for the gift of the word of the Lord. We thank you for the promise that Jesus is coming again. Lord, help us not to live with our heads stuck up in the clouds, but help us to live with our hearts in heaven, with our hopes and expectations built upon your return, but live every day, Lord, blessing our family, loving our children, God doing excellent work where you have placed us at. Lord, interceding for one another. And Father God, in all things, bringing glory and honor to you. And just as you protected your word, and just as you fulfill your word, you will protect your people as they hide your word in their hearts. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for watching tonight. Now, tomorrow morning, we'll be doing another daily prayer update. Yep. And then Friday is our book suggestions yeah. and questions question of the week we can't wait to see that and then saturday night at six o'clock is our six o'clock prayer, prayer service and then sunday morning either 10 o'clock or 11 30 right here at webb and we hope to see you soon god bless you